Yes, good people, it's Francis here from Let's Do Humans podcast. This is just a quick announcement, just to encourage everybody here that's listening to our podcast right now, just to ensure that you subscribe and you follow us on all of the various platforms out there that produce podcasts, that's subscribing to us on YouTube, following us on iTunes and Spotify. I mean, follow us, make sure that you share our content and continue your support, that'll be greatly appreciated. That's Let's Do Humans, L-E-T-S-D-O-H-U-M-A-N-S, Let's Do Humans, one word. Appreciate all of your support. Stay blessed, good people. Bakiri, man, Kieran Blake, thank you for coming on Let's Do Humans podcast, man. Oh, Welcome, bro. Thank you for having me. It's yeah. an honor. It's an honor. No, no, no. I definitely appreciate it. I remember when you when you first hit me up, you were like, that you, "There's something to discuss, basically, yeah. like in relation to one of my previous episodes." Of course. And um, I'm I'm always up for the debate. I'm always up for the discussion. Always up for like understanding and growth, as we were discussing mm. earlier on as well. So the moment you said that, I was like, definitely. And you've got like a great piece of work that you put together as well which we're going to discuss yeah i.e. your book but first of all tell us a bit about yourself man who's kieran so who's kieran kieran is a guy that likes to step out of the box when it comes to different like things in life i'd like to see myself as a a multifaceted black man mm, who's this. seen a lot done a lot and there's still so much more to come but I think as we were saying off camera, you know, it's about passing on them experiences yeah. onto the younger generation and obviously being able to learn from one mm, another. Most definitely. Do, do you know, that when you say multifaceted, yeah, there's, something, there's something beautiful in that that I'm always trying to like explain to people. So some people see being black as a form of, it's, it's almost like a disability. It's a weakness to an extent, which, which historically and well currently as well, we kind of realise that it is. Mm-hmm. But if utilised properly, it's also a form of strength. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? If you know how no, to harness yeah. the, right. the, the black experience okay. and, and know how to play the game with it as yes. such. Do you know what I mean? Because I've been in environments whereby me being as culturally diverse as I am in comparison to my other colleagues or people within that same thing has benefited me. In the, yeah. in the long run, do you know what I mean? I think, unfortunately, I think we've always been sort, sort of been taught that it's a hindrance, to us, mm. especially as black males, mm. where it's kind of like all eyes have constantly been on us mm. and, you know, we always feel like we can't have our say, can't navigate, but this is not really our system to mm. navigate from it. So it's a case where we've had to, well, some of us have had to learn to navigate the the game to mm. say to speak and now i think it's a, what we're seeing right now is we're getting our opportunity to shine yeah you know i think the problem with us as black people and i say this all the time i think we've always thought we weren't enough we was mm. always enough then we're always enough now and we'll always be enough going forward and and i think we've just got to capitalize on this kind of momentum that is happened that black yeah. lives matter has created most definitely what's your background though? so my background is my parents are jamaican yeah. um, i grew up in northwest london um, i grew up in kingsbury yes. which was do you know kingsbury at all yeah uh, <laughs> no nah, because more time <laughs> more time when i say kingsbury feel yeah. like mm, so i just say it's near to wembley because yeah. it is down the road from yeah. yeah so um brent is quite a multicultural borough and i grew up with all types of different people in life who definitely, you know, gave me little things that have added to me as a person and to my journey as well. 
and you know it's allowed me to be able to chop it up with the like so if you you know what I mean yeah. look at some of the conversations we just met today yeah and some of the things we're discussing yeah, we just kicked off yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean yeah. so yeah I'm 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 yeah I'm definitely a proud Northwest Londoner um always will be stayed <laughs> Londoners are hella proud of where, where they originate from it's like of whenever course. you speak to a Londoner it's like yeah I'm a, I'm a proper like me when I whenever anyone meets you know, me yo I'm East London through and through so I remember going to Ray's back in the day I was like South London now yeah. East London now North London and it's kind of like well you're from Northwest and you're not from West and you're yeah. not from North you're from Northwest and we got our own identity and where yeah. we did or things so I happily shied that, no, that, that that's, that's really true you know because I always remember that there was always that debate where Northwest was always saying yo like Northwest we're separate yeah, from yeah. North and I realised that the identity the behaviour and the cultures are completely yes, different from North yeah. I think there's a harder Caribbean element to Northwest definitely, as well than there is definitely. to North London North London tends to be more West African-ish whilst uh, or, or you think that's slightly I, different yeah I think it's slightly different I think if you look at Northwest, like you look mm. at, like say Harlesden, mm. Stonebridge, there's always been a West Indian presence of yeah. like especially Jamaicans mm. there, and it's the same in Tottenham as mm. well. But I think you're right as you're getting as we as the generations have passed. Yeah, you're seeing a lot more Ghanaians, especially yeah. like in Tottenham, thriving, and there's Niger, Nigerian people. Mm. But for me, Nigerland has always been Peckham. That was oh a, yeah yeah no know, definitely yeah if we're yeah, gonna talk about Nigerland yeah that's you know what I mean but it's funny because like I said I I, I grew up with Ghanaians and Nigerians from like knee high mm. and it was a case where I'm gonna say something controversial mm. but I say it respectfully goes, man, yeah. I'm gonna say it respectfully you know back in the day it was kind of like well if you said you were Nigerian or Ghanaian mm. it was kind of like look frowned upon like I, I know I mean I'm, I'm Ghanaian no so but I, I know I know, you know how that kind of went and yeah. now it's gone full circle mm. where it's cool to be African now and yeah. you're seeing it in the music. The, the black British culture I think for a long time the black British culture was just based on Car the Caribbean side mm. and what we see now is a shift where it's moved to the west especially the west Afri African yeah. side of things now and I think it's lovely and you're now seeing there's a bit of a fusion because you look at you look at someone like Burner Boy mm. when I first heard Burner Boy I thought who's this who's this yardy man and then they said oh no he's a, he's a Niger man I was like what yeah. so yeah the influence is heavy yeah there, the crossover is there yeah. and I, I think you can never really ever let go of like historics and how we're all connected in of a way course, because it was all one at one point there, there so go. it's easy for us kind of transition but, you know, through you've got Bob Marley in the background you look at yeah. say Bob Marley's mum Rita ever since she moved to Ghana yeah. you're seeing a lot more Jamaicans moving Move to, to Ghana, Ghana. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she, she's got a great um, place out there as well by the way and um, like they do poetry and all okay. this stuff there but, but again it's like what I was saying you know you know we are a, a performer of a diaspora mm. you know you look at Brazil. Brazil has like the second largest Yoruba community mm. in the world. You know, you go to Jamaica, if you go up to the hills, the Maroons are still there and they mm. are essentially Ghanaian people yeah. who kept the culture in Jamaica. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we are one. Definitely, definitely. And I think that the spirit still stays strong then. I of guess. course, yeah. of course. And it kind of like rears its head. I think when we're talking about the West African influence in current popular culture, I think mu music has played a big yeah, part into it and the yeah. acceptance of yeah. Afrobeats yeah. infusing into sort of like Afro swing and UK hip hop and but, everything else. Yeah, but you, see, you even see it with some of the grime now. Mm. and some of the drill artists as well you can definitely see that Afro-funk mm. or Afro-beat um, influence definitely yeah definitely. most definitely well, well as we continue so um, like you, you wrote a book you, yeah. you wrote a piece that you put together called um, The Mentor oh, right? yeah and um, initially when you first told me about it I thought it was a sort of like a um, a non-fictional um, like 
illustration of what mm-hmm. occurred during the London riots, but it's actually a fictional story, right? Yeah. So it's funny, and again, this is I'll definitely discuss this. Mm. This is the pitfalls of when you are an author and you're self-publishing. Mm. Sometimes you might not have the direction that say a published author who's got like an editor mm. or someone so you many people said oh kieran like is this fic- is this non-fiction like, mm. like yourself and then i've been like nah it's fictional because there's it there's definitely a blur mm. in it and and i do sometimes i look back at that piece and i kind of feel like you know it maybe i should have persevered of trying to get a proper publisher to um, yeah. take it on through an agent but i was just at that stage where i was just like and that's what i was saying to you i've come yeah. up Sitting on a bag of content, I was just like, nah, chuck, just yeah, put it yeah. out there. Yeah. What, what influenced them? What, what brought it about? Like, okay, so The Mentor was actually my second novel. Oh, so, my first novel was called You Can't Have Your Cake and Eat It, and again, that was self published, and yeah. that came out 20. When did that come out? 2012, yeah. Is that another fictional piece? Yeah, 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 yeah. And even with that, that was a controversial line because mm-hmm. I went, again, I showed a black man that had a relationship with a white woman, mm. a black woman, and a mixed-race guy. Yeah. And again, this is what I was saying to you about the showing different dimensions, because mm. I feel with society, they, they like to just concentrate on one or f- two things when it comes to black men, mm. based on stereotypes that are driven in the media, mm. as we know. And I just wanted to show, yeah, different scenarios and different mm. dynamics. I think in terms of my why I wanted to become an author. So when I was younger, I was heavily into Thomas the Tank Engine. That, oh, was, real? that was my <laughs> thing. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, Anyone that yeah. knows me from knee high knows that mm. you'd see me either with Thomas train set or the rucksack or the books. And yeah. yeah, you know, I was reading from a young age. My mum pushed that as a black man, you have to have education if you want to navigate in yeah. this country. Yeah. And then there was a case, went to university, um, did politics in Bru- at Brunel. Mm. This is where I first lived in Brussels. Um, I um, worked in the European Parliament for a year. Oh, nice. Yeah. What department was you working in? So I was working, so was actually, I was actually working for the GLA's office out there, the regional oh, okay. office. Yeah, yeah. And then we, I worked with Claude Marez, who's a um, MEP from yeah. Scotland, Asian man from, and yeah, that was an eye-opener. But I think just going back to the whole uni experience, it was a case of when you're at uni, you're just constantly looking at textbooks, mm essay writing textbooks so it was a case of when i finished um university it was a case where i was just like bun this reading <laughs> i was just like no i, I just yeah, yeah it was it was i just i fell out of love of reading yeah. and and then what happened was uh one of my exes recommended small island to me by andrea levy mm. and i read it and it's a great book i loved mm. the i went and saw it in the theater and i loved the bbc adaptation that's got ashley d in it oh, yeah. ashley waters yeah, and I, yeah, yeah i really enjoyed that and then I read a book, another book called Tourism, and I was just like, well, you know what? If these lot can do it, mm, I can do that. Why can't I? And it was, yeah. Yeah, it was a case where literally I'd be writing on my way to work on the tube, mm. writing when I get home. And yeah, you know, I, I went through things like writer's block where yeah. it just, it's just not it's happening. Not coming, yeah. And then, you know, when you've got momentum, when things like this in the world happen, it's just mm. kind of like, right, I need to, like, the juices start flowing mm. again. And yeah, you just, you know, you put the content out. Mm. Oh, sick. So take take us through the book, like the mentor. What is yeah. what is it? And what actually occurs? In yeah, because I'm yet to read. I'm definitely yeah. reading. So it the mentor is based on a guy who basically initially starts to mentor mm. an, a young um, guy, a young black guy, and then it kind of disintegrates, mm. and then the riots happen, and then we see the riot through the eyes of the mentee, 
mm. and the mentor. Mm. And there's such, it's a contrast. There's a big contrast. Yeah. And, you know, for me, writing that, I remember when the, the rights did happen, mm. I had come over from Belgium for the weekend, for a long weekend. And I remember going through Tottenham just before it kicked off and it was calm. Oh, wow. And then I remember... So it was like August times, right? Yeah, yeah, and then I remember turning on the news the next day, Sunday morning, and it had, just, it had kicked off. Mm. And then the way it just kind of plateaued across London and yeah. then all across the country, it's just like, this is something that our children will learn, hopefully, in the mm. history books. But I still stand by it. Um, that I don't think nothing's been learnt by the rights. Yeah. In in terms of who, so the people that participated or the country as a whole, because, I, I mean, I'm I'm gonna be honest. I I I don't know what we picked. I don't know what we learned from it. Nothing. There's no, I, nothing. I really don't remember anything that had an impact on me in regards to like taking a lesson from what what occurred. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. Look, you look upon it like this. Anytime there's been a Tory government. In our lifetime, there's been a mad riot, whether it be the riots in Liverpool and Toxeth back in the mm. early 80s, the riots in Brixton, mm. and then the riots in Tottenham, all happened under a Tory government. Mm. So what that says to me is that this Tory government is not looking after its people, mm. depending where you where you fit in on the, the social spectrum. Mm. So I think a lot of working class people will think, well, no, what have the Tories done for me? They've just shafted me. Mm. Unfortunately, I think many people will say, well, is there an alternative? And the answer to that is no. And we've seen that with when we had the coalition. Yeah. We've seen that with Labour in the sense of, I think Jeremy Corbyn is a great guy. And, I, and to be honest, I liked a lot of his, his, um, mm. his, his principles and values and stuff. Yeah. But what do you think his policies were sustainable though? <laughs> ah, there, there you go. There you <laughs> that, go. That there, you go. Issue, yeah. there you go. There you go. And I just think and then I and, and I'm quite intrigued to see what Keir um Starman will do going forward because yeah. I think he's got a lot whoever took on that mantle mm. is gonna it's a poison chalice in the way. Yeah. Me personally, I think the guy that should have become the leader of the Labour Party is David Miliband, mm. but his brother shafted him. Yeah. <laughs> shafted him, so that went all out the window. Yeah. But you know, like you look at what how you look at what's kind of happened before that you know for example youth cuts there was a lot of cuts in the youth industry you know youth clubs have been shut down taking away certain things for the youth mm. and i think when the youth are just left like that yeah they can be feral and yeah. you know unfortunately things happened and yeah i agree with you nothing has been learned i think we're still facing the issues and primarily we saw a black guy get shot lawfully mm. And yet again, it's still, it's a crescendo, yeah. it's still carrying I on. I think that was one of the major factors that kind of like in, incited the whole like riots and looting and everything. Because there, there was a lot of like lack of clarity in regards yeah. to why he actually got shot. Because from what I remember, there was there was kind of like three main points. There was, a, there, was, there was a story whereby one of the officers said he pulled out the gun on them. Yeah. There was another story saying that he threw the gun away yeah. um, over the hedge or whatever. There was another story that the gun wasn't even pulled out in the first place yeah. and one of the officers ran off with it afterwards. Okay. So when there's so many mixed match stories going on and it's being thrown around within a supposedly professional environment, within an inquest, and the, the, the people are dealt with having to sort of figure out who's telling the truth now, that's that's where you get these issues kind of, of arising. Of course, yeah. of course. At the end of the day, you know, the the trust in police is at an all time low, mm. and when things like that happen, especially when they go to the level that they did, where it went to an inquiry, mm. like my first thing was, well, what happened to the taxi man? Mm. Why we never heard about the taxi man? Why? Yeah. It's like I heard the taxi got taken out of service, cleaned mm. up, <laughs> 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 wiped out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think the transparency that we're looking for, I don't think we're going to get it. And mm. we're not going to get it until 
the Metropolitan Police actually them, not the McPherson report, because we know what the mm. McPherson report, they told us that Metropolitan Police is institutionally racist. Mm. Until their big dogs, their top of top people say, you know what, we are racist and we're, this is what we're going to do. Mm. You're going to continue to have instances where stop and searches continually happened. Mm. I, I don't think stop and search is the best thing. It's been proven that it doesn't work, yeah. you know, but they still try to maintain oh it's yeah. it's it's good for the, the numbers just haven't ever really matched yeah. up yeah. unfortunately what it is i think my gripe with stop and search is is it's like today look how me and you dress we've both got i've got a new zealand rugby yeah. top on you've got we'll a we'll trust you on, exactly yeah now say we're working out on road oh you look like a gang member i look like a gang member mm. we don't have no prior convictions or nothing and i'm i think my gripe with it is it always seems to be the people that are playing the game or mm. doing things progressive things in society that always seem to get bitten on the ass when it comes to stop yeah. and search yeah. and i think that's where my gripe is i get it i understand we have a problem mm. yeah and i say a problem mm. but i don't think the way how the problem is being handled is the best way for yeah because i think some of the arguments that get pulled forward when it comes to the whole stop and search issue is that it's being it's being taking place in areas of high crime so in a way, it, it's almost a slap in the face for those who are not involved in crime. It's like shut up and take it because you live in this area. Yeah. Because I, I had I had a crazy experience when I was young. I mean, I, I, I lived in an area where a lot of stuff was happening. Mm. So stop and search was just like a, the norm to us. Even though now I understand that it shouldn't have been the norm because mm -hmm. if I wasn't partaking in any criminal activities, why am I getting stopped and All searched right. so frequently? But then also when, when I look on the other side, I'm like, the area that I live in, things are popping off. Like, it's really popping off. Yeah, but then, see, the thing with is, my thing is this here. Say, like, you you work hard mm. and you've got your nice car and you're driving about your business. You ain't doing no harm to nobody. Yeah. And then people, and then the police stop you and come with the whole thing, oh, there's a, there's, there's a high crime in this area and da da yeah. da 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 yeah. To me, I think that's a cop-out. Just mm. call it for what it is. You've stopped me mm. because you've seen me in a nice, expensive car and you feel that I've attained this expensive car mm. in illegal ways. Don't give me that whole thing of uh, that, that spiel yeah. because it's not. I yeah. think it, a lot of it people, yeah. yeah. And I, I think until those kind of those kind of instances addressed, mm. you're, you're going to continue to have the, the 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 negative perception of it and people having lack of trust yeah. in the police. I think. I mean, when when the whole system of like automatic license plate um, reading was put yeah. in place, yeah. you would assume that that would eradicate some of those issues whereby we'd be able to read if that car in particular had been part of a crime instead of running around just stopping random innocent people. people yeah. So, I mean, that's possibly a process that can be put in place. Like, police cannot legally stop your car yeah. unless your licence plate has actively been put but into the system. they don't want to do that because, mm. my friend, it's all about two things. A, it's about meeting targets, yeah. which we know they do. They might not say it to us. And B, at the end of the day, they want to maintain the status quo. Yeah. They're here to show we are the law and this is how we do it and mm. you're going to toe the line. And it's just like, mm. yeah. That, that's the thing about quotas and targets. It's like yeah. bad, bad incentives always lead to bad actions. Of like, course. It's, it's never, ever gone the other way around. So having a system that requires or demands of officers to have a ridiculous quota is going to push them into 
these areas to yeah. behave in ways that they're not supposed to behave in order to yeah. meet the quotas exactly. that they've been given. So exactly. it's like, how do we tackle these going forward? And how do we ensure that um, policies can be implemented, that they'll follow these strict rules and regulations and guidelines to prevent innocent people from being like subjected to that? Because, I mean, us now, we're, we're legitimate workers, but I know mm. if I go into a particular area in London yeah. right now, I'm going to get harassed and be extremely pissed off because yeah. it's like, yo, I don't deserve to be on here. Oh. So... I've got a girlfriend, Sage Home Lewis, who's always yeah, yeah. on um, look, oh, well, look how they handled him. Look how... Recent times, yeah. yeah and he, he's someone who's actively in the community okay. doing the work that the police are That's supposed exactly. to be doing. And he gets stopped regularly for... And this is the thing with, with his particular... I thought that was quite an eye-opener mm. in a sense of he wasn't aggressive or none of that. Mm. I love the way he conducted himself. Mm. But did it really require... What was it? Eight or nine police officers to do that job? Did it really? No, definitely not. Didn't no. require that. No. And I think it's it's a quite it's a it's a mad three sixty how he's now teaching them about institutional racism. And, when he, and he did tell them that he said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be teaching you guys, and you're a gonna be paying me him. for it." Yeah, I, de- I definitely think more investment is so. That's why maybe I'm not really for the defunding. Um, oh no no no, no 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 no! Because I think more investment is required. Of course, and of course. Proper sit downs is required with the community and dialogue in regards to like how. With how communities are dealt with and how to best rectify that with proper training and yeah, initiatives. But I think, I think two things. When I, I, I'm like you, I don't think the police should be mm. defunded. I think it's nonsense. If anything, they need more funding. Mm. To, look, I take my hat off to police police officers. You're always gonna have good cop, bad cop. Yeah. You know, but I think when we come to London, I think there are certain cultural nuances mm. that I feel a lot of the police officers especially of the Metropolitan Police, I'm not aware with, mm. because they're not from London. They're from places yeah, there, up yeah. north where their interaction with men that look like me and you is minimal. Mm. And, it's, and then when they do have it, it's based on what they've read in the press or what mm. he said or she has said. Mm. So therefore, it just continues that, that catalyst of bad relationships yeah. between people of colour and the, and, and the police. Mm. I think also as well, they've got to change the IPCC. Mm. That... Ultimately, is made up of ex-police officers, so if, so they're gonna look after their own. <laughs> at their own. Yeah. So you think that should be sort of like an independent? Yeah, it's so supposed to be independent, well, we but know it's not, not yeah. exactly. Yeah. So you know, if you've got ex-police people on there, they're gonna, of course mm. they're gonna look out for themselves yeah. at the end of the day. Most definitely, because even in the um, the conversation or the training session that Sage had with the police, it was interesting finding out about like places that they had come from and one of the one of the women on on these training programs said this was the first time interacting with black people yeah. so anything she's ever known about black people yes. has been from maybe the stereotypical views yes. that she's gained from popular culture which would be music and television and movies and so forth so then coming in contact directly with one of them you're going to be like yo no, exactly. you know what I mean? and so for instance like you coming into my house now as a stranger for the first time I don't view you the same way as you rolling into maybe someone who's never interacted with a yeah. black person for the first time. Right. Because that level of fear, that level of anxiety and unknown is completely yeah. different. Now imagine now you're in a position of authority going to deal with someone in, in the and hood. Then, and then obviously if you're armed with certain things as well, you you know, you're going to reach. Look yeah. how much times we're seeing people being tasered. Mm. Like, and look at what happened with Wretch's dad, that Wretch yeah. 32. Yeah. Again, like, did it need to go down that line? Mm. And it just makes you think if they had guns in this country, yeah, there'd be some trigger happy feds yeah. out there. I'm Most afraid definitely. to say, and it's yeah. yeah. I think the dialogue must be had, and the dialogue must be had in a, in a mature way, whereby like true understanding is it, it, extracted from it. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Because I think at the moment, 
Like with everything that's happening right now, we're so polarized. The whole world oh, is course, polarized. So course. when anyone is talking, no one's really listening, or they're either trying to talk over each other, mm-hmm. or just refusing to completely listen to each other. And that's the issue that I have because every time I have conversations with like non-black people from a particular area, it's always that oh, but this and but that. Do you see what I mean? It's like yeah. there's that lack of understanding because of the way that we see things now. Everyone's on the defense at the moment. But, I think currently. But you know what it is as well, Francis? I don't think it should be to the likes of me and you to inf- implement change for them. Mm. Change has got to come with, within. You, it shouldn't be a case of me having to say, well, why don't you read this? Or why don't you, mm. you should want to do it yourself. Mm. But it comes back to what I was saying to you about some people want to maintain the status quo. And this is, I think, one thing that I definitely picked up from the riots. The riots in this country in 2011 were a reflection that there's a blur when it comes to race and class in this country. Mm-hmm. Race issues have become class issues and class issues have become race issues. Mm-hmm. Gone are the days where it was your underprivileged black man. Now we're hearing it's your underprivileged white guy mm-hmm. that is feeling it now. And maybe 20, 30 years ago, it wouldn't have been that. Yeah. But because as we've, uh, we've discussed so far, certain things have happened, it has got to that point mm-hmm. now where it's not, just, it was, it's not just black people at the bottom of the barrel, so to speak. There are other people mainly working class white people mm. that are at the barrel and we see and we see it constantly yes. the, the biggest factor to me has always been economical of course I, I mean when you look when you look at the spectrum of the world in general I always feel like it's there's two things running it's like it's survival of resources yeah. it's like everyone's trying to survive and everyone's course, trying to gather and protect their resources and those who those who can't compete or those who are kind of like left behind and unable to compete because of barriers within the system are the ones that are kind of left to fight these type of battles yeah. and it's like how do we uplift those how do we how do we create a because the way i see it is there's always going to be competition of course like hierarchies are establishing yes. every single setting but then how do you how do we create a system whereby yes there will be those at the top but how do we take care of those um, that can't necessarily compete at that level because I don't think we're going to completely eradicate competition oh, no, and no, I don't no, think no. we're going to be able to when they say distribution of wealth like and taking from the rich and give it because the way that the system is built now if you if you create mad tax systems anyway we all know what's going to happen yeah, yeah, yeah. the people with the businesses the people with the economic powers and the strongholds are going to disappear to places yes, whereby yeah. they, you won't be able to distribute their wealth so how what would you say is a way of building a fair system for all or for okay, those well, at the lower I'll, end I'll of the give spectrum. Example. Look at what Marcus Rashford has done. Mm. I think his initiative <laughs> was great, but look how it was received by certain parties. This mm. young black man has taken upon himself to sort of say, well, you know what, there, as you said, there are people that are struggling economically and it's affecting their children where their children cannot be fed mm. at key times of the day. Let's implement something that allows these children to eat. I thought it was a great idea, but you only had to look at the reception that it got from Tory MPs mm. and even, um, what's her name? What's that? Battleaxe. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> That's it, Katie Hopkins. Katie Hopkins, but yeah, was, she's, was we all know she's a major troll. Yeah, yeah, right, you know who, I mean? who was quick to say, you know, well, it's not the state's job to look after people's mm. kids and such and so forth. Like, come on, man, like, let's, let's look at the bigger problem here. Mm. We are now seeing where children are facing poverty and in this country at mad levels Mm. where we're seeing so much more food banks in this country than maybe say 10 15 years ago it never used to what how is how are we and i say we because it's very easy to just blame 
the, the political parties. We're all, we've all got a part to be. How is it as we as a society have let it get to that point yeah. where the levels are like this? Mm. So going back to my original point, a man took the initiative to try and do something mm. and it was frowned upon. Mm. It was frowned upon because the state shouldn't look after people's children. And that, there is the problem within itself. Yeah. The, the, but there's also a very strong argument when it comes to like the idea of state and um, and parental responsibility. Mm -hmm. um, I, I understand that the, the state's role is they're supposed to play like an unbiased umpire. Mm -hmm. that, that's meant to be like their role mm -hmm. in essence mm -hmm. in creating policies and putting structures in place for society to run smoothly. Mm -hmm. But within those structures and societies, there's always going to be the gatekeepers. There's always going to be course, there's course, always going to be those who kind of like hoard. Um, they, they hoard resources yeah. and those that control the flow of resources. Mm -hmm. So in order for there to be a fair balance, there needs to be some sort of, there, there needs to be, there needs to be like policies and structures in place that protects those at the bottom of the, and when you look at the West, it's like, we should be able to do this. Yeah, we should. Do you see what I mean? Because if you look at waste, if you look at like um, ex expenditures in terms of like where money goes and how money flows through the system, it's like, why can't we look after those in despair, those at the bottom? Of, like, why do we still have, like, homelessness to a certain extent? Why do we still have, like, people dying through hunger and starvation? But it goes back to what you're saying. Mm. There has to be a level of, com of competition. Like, you know, ideally, as much as we'd want, a, say, a, uh, a, say, a communist society where everyone's on the same fare, mm. you're always going to have people that are going to excel more than others. And why mm. shouldn't they be... Um, um, looked after, say financially, for being mm. being able to excel. Listen, I, I did politics, and you know, you know, studying communism was great. Mm. But ultimately, we live in a capitalist world, mm. and you've got to have things that make the the clothes keep on turning and turning. Mm. And a lot, as I said, a lot of this comes down to maintaining a status quo. Unfortunately, some people are going to be at the top, some are going to be in the middle, some are going to be at the bottom. Mm. And, yeah. And the thing is, I I think it only benefits society when you allow when you when you kind of give those at the bottom the core fundamentals that they need in order for them yeah. to f function and, and, and find ways of, of thriving because then it uplifts everyone Everybody. within the society. But as so, I said, yeah. Marcus Rashford tried to do that with that initiative mm. and them Tory MPs were quick to shoot him. Yeah. Shoot him do, you think do you think a lot of that is down to fear? Like fear of like taking resources from us type of thing? I think so, but I think ultimately they're, they're, they're triggered mm. that someone like who looks like me and you mm. has been has been able to a suggest the idea mm. and b implement it yeah yeah that, that's the tricky part that comes about so g going back to like the the riots that we were discussing earlier on mm -hmm. when when it comes to violence what what do you think is the driving factors because as as young kids at that time kids were like 16 17 i heard i mean before i touch back before i go back to that question i heard people are still getting arrested till this day from the riots. Yeah. People are still getting charged and in prison till this day yeah. from something that happened, what, nine years ago. Yeah. So what, what was, at, at that stage in their life, what was that driving factor that made them leave their house to um, protest, riot or loot? I think in, in those situations there, and I think, again, it comes, blur, blurred thing, blurred effect is definitely in, in place when it comes. Mm. I think initially when the riots kicked off, I think people were, protesting for the death of a man in unlawful circumstances mm. and then materialism greed came mm. into play and i think people were just kind of fed up with how things had been and were just tired mm. 
of of how the Tory government was dealing with things. Mm. I think also as well, it was a case where, you know, people saw an opportunity. They were opportunists mm. and they yeah. just said, cha, man, enough, I'm going to mm. take. But what I always found quite interesting, and I, and I wonder, do you remember this? It kind of felt, well, to me, it felt like the post-Cold Wars, mm. they ceased. Oh, yeah, they did. Yeah, so there was a point of unity at one point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it just, yeah. It, it was just weird. And that was the height of it as well. Yeah, yeah it was just definitely. mad where mm. something like that could bring people together mm. to work for some sort of next game. Mm. And don't get me wrong, what was done was, it wasn't right, but I, 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 I admire it. Mm. And it just shows to me that this whole post-Cold War thing, it's all, it's all BS. Mm. It's all BS, but unfortunately, I feel like those that are involved, in it, they're so deeply ingrained in it. Yeah, it's, it's generational. Yeah, because yeah. when you speak to a lot of like youngers in regards to like beef that they have, half of them don't even know how to start. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, some of the beef yeah. that they're involved, they've been going on even before me and you were even yeah. brought into this world. So yeah. it's just that's what I'm saying. They're so deeply ingrained, they don't know. What is who is who and what is what? Mm. It's just it's just like what you and Craig were discussing. If a man says to you, "Well, he's from South Kilburn and mm. I'm from Bridge, so I shouldn't like him because of da 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 da," mm. people are um, impressionable, especially young young kids and yeah. young adults. So they're gonna just take it and just ride with it. And mm. there's definitely been a generational shift because I feel like when we were growing up. If there was arms, it was like it was a fisting, and yeah, that yeah, was it. Definitely, yeah. But now, yeah. not only do you have to worry about someone getting shanked or shot, you mm. got to, you got to worry if they're gonna dash acid in your, in your face. face. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like how how have we got to these levels of depra- depravity? Mm. We, we definitely become more violent, I think, because I remember like in secondary school, for instance, if me and you got into an argument, some of the oldest be like, oh, one on one after school, yeah. you two in the park, and then everyone be looking forward to it, yeah, like exactly. yo, three thirty, yeah, heading towards the park and that. But now it's like, yo, after school, my, my, my boys are waiting outside with all sorts of tools yeah. waiting for you. So it, it definitely seems like it's obviously there's still people getting shot and stabbed back then. But the, the element of violence is becoming increasing. And also the age of those committing the violence as well is becoming younger and younger. Yeah, and definitely. I think that's one of the issues in our community in particular that concerns me. It's not that like I, I don't subscribe to the whole idea of black and black um, yeah, I because well. it, it's a proximity thing yes you know what I mean yes like I live in an area if all my neighbours are black I'm not going to interact with anyone else like in white areas they interact but I do I do believe that there's an issue with youth violence within the black community okay. I think that is a slight of, a, a bit of an issue and okay. that, that's where my concern lies is like how are youth becoming so violent and what's, what, where, where is the pushback from them to prevent them from, to become okay, so, even more violent? So what I say to that is, and I agree with you in that respect, I think there's a lot of young young people <laughs> that are kind of like zombies mm. in the sense of they're walking around with a lot of trauma mm. and hurt. And because they ain't dealt with that trauma and hurt, all they know is to lash out and unfortunately do some of the, the deprived acts that we're seeing. Mm. I've always been an advocate for mental health and one of the things that I would love to see is counsel, more counsel, counsellors mm. in primary and high school mm. to sort of try and get tackled, to get to the bottom of certain issues that are going on that these youths are facing mm. because I just think they're, 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 it's very similar to like people that have been in war, they're dealing with PTSD, yeah, PTSD yeah. and undiagnosed PTSD yeah. at that. But unfortunately, a lot of them are 
trying to numb the pain with drink and drugs. Mm. You know, like you, you're hearing all these kids doing Molly and Perk. I'm just yeah. like, you're taking liquid hair. I mean, we used to we used to look down on that back in the day. Yeah. Like oh, it wasn't our drug. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It wasn't our drug. Like our drug was weed. And yeah. that wasn't about it. But even but, with the weed thing yeah. as well, everyone's even frowned upon. Yeah, even quarters. like people are smoking skunk, which people have manufacture themselves so because mm. it's being manufactured like that the THC level is high mm. and it's too much for these young people's brains that are not fully developed developed mm. and therefore therefore if you're dealing with certain things and you're banning or you know that's your vice there's gonna come a point where it all kind of explodes and I think that's what we're seeing now yeah. but I think what I'd also add to that I think it's too I think it's too easy to blame parents I really do I think parents and I say that now as a parent myself I think parents get a hard it's hard to raise children yeah. in this life especially in inner cities it is hard mm. and, and I think one of the things that I definitely picked up in your in the discussion that you had with Craig was when we were growing up there was a community, there was yeah, a village. 100%. And I feel like the villages and communities have kind of like, they've just filtered out. Yeah. And I think that's just a reflection of like, as the time has gone, so many big people come in, in and out, in and out, mm-hmm. and there's so many different cultural nuances. Yeah. A lot of times people don't know their neighbours. Because mm-hmm. I remember like, when for a lot of people, the first time they got to know their neighbours is when they had a tea party when it was the Olympics. Yeah. How was it? Forced to, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm. I think things like, you know, clapping hands for the NHS workers, I think that's another way of people. But generally, there's no community mm. and there's no village anymore. Yeah, community is very important. Like, I, I think for the, for the safety of, of children's mind states and everything, it's definitely first, like, the family, the, yeah. the, then the community. Like, it's all a part of creating, like, a safe haven. But I, I also, like, I thought about that quite a lot after I finished speaking to Craig in regards to, like, the, the destruction of the community and the impact that that's had on children. And I thought one of the biggest factors, this is one of the thought process I had, that one of the biggest factors now is technology because technology has kind of made the, the human connection secondary now oh so yeah it's like yeah. whilst before i'll jump on my as a, as a teenager i'll jump on my bike me and my boys would ride through the whole of newham like we'll just ride all around like doing all sorts going to kick ball here go and check out these men over there and do this over there but now it's like yo i don't need to step out to talk to my boys like we've all got iPhones. Like I can, I can, I can send you yeah, a WhatsApp message. We can be on whatever, like FaceTime together, and that that disconnect is kind of destroying the whole essence of community. Oh, and protection. of course, and I think not even just community is it's destroying. I think it's destroying relationships as mm. well. You know, you only have to go and say something like Tinder, and Tinder, and you're saying there's too much choice. And I think yeah, you're right. People don't, you know, a lot of people don't know how to talk. Like how we're having a dialogue, a discussion, mm. that's gone out the window. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It, it, that, that talking part is, is, is really, really important because um, I don't know if you know the story about um, ba- Baptista. I think, I think he's, that's his surname, Baptista. He's a young kid. I think he's about 15. He got stabbed in Stratford. It was quite a high-profile um, murder by another 15-year-old kid. Was this recently? Yeah, yeah, recently, yeah, yeah. Yes, it, I saw it, that. Um, my, my little brother, and I, they, they know who he is because it's from my, my side. And um, that all started from two people that didn't know each other in a WhatsApp group. So something ridiculous. One of the boys was like, oh, they were talking about who's got bodies on their blade. I'm like, what 15, 14 year old kids talking about who's got bodies on their blade? And then he was like, oh, like one of them must have said, oh, you be my first or whatever. And then from the back of that, he went out and acted out what he had said. And obviously, that, it, there's a lot of elements being played right now because it's, it's peer pressure. It's like, course, you've said it in a big platform now. This is one of the things that social media does. It puts, it puts the spotlight on you now because you've said it in a WhatsApp group chat or whatever where there's like 
tens or hundreds of other people in there. But you know, also as well, I think social media has also given people the opportunity to document things, Mm. but document the wrong things at that. Why is it a case we're seeing people getting stabbed and shot and people are filming it? Why isn't your first port of call, not A, not to stop it, or B, call paramedics or something? Mm. I I just don't understand how it's got to that. And and this is across society. I I think with social media, I think social media, like with anything, has got its positives and negatives. But I think just as late, we're just seeing more of the negative yeah. of it. And I think it's just because it's it's so easy, it's so accessible. accessible yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's it's a shame because, yeah, it's breaking down societies mm. as well. But, you know, also as well, I was just thinking, like, many a time, I remember just before COVID, there was, I was come, going through Oxford Circus Station mm. And two black girls were fighting, and I was just like, "That could be my sister or a cousin." Mm. So I said, "Chart, I'm gonna break it up." Now, in the first four of mine, I'm like, "What if I something happens to me?" <laughs> no, because I've got a couple of these stories anyway. So many yeah. times you hear yeah. bystander try step in, and then they're the one that gets does. Yeah. So I've broken up the fight, yeah, because another this is the next thing. So I said to the the London Underground um, staff, "Why can't you break it up? We're not allowed to." Um, um, because we there was something that happened at Oxford Circus recently, and it was a case where they were reprimanded for stopping the fight. So yeah. already there's that there's that fear for them, and it was yeah, a fear yeah. of me. But I was just kind of like, no, 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 no. Yeah, and I was just like, I don't want to see two black girls fighting. Mm. I don't want to see that. So I pulled him apart, and one of their boyfriends, he's kind of the way he's looked at me. Mm. He's looked at me like I'm his op, so I don't. Yeah. It's like he's zoned out. <laughs> and I said, I actually had to say to him, yeah. yeah, I said, bro, no, 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 I'm breaking up the fight. And then he was like, and then it's like he came back to himself and he was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then yeah. they just walked off, and I was just like, yeah, yeah I'm not doing that again. Yeah, it's crazy. I've been involved in a few ones, but that, that was a part of one of the one of the elements that the discussion that me, me and Craig had was about the fear, like we fear ourselves because of all the narratives and everything that's been pushed upon us. Yeah. So when I see another black dude, I'm like, yo, what, I don't know, is this beef or is this like a homie yeah. thing? And because the setting is different, I've realised the thing about settings as well. Settings create a different mood and environment. Like if we see each other at a party or a wedding or whatever, yeah. then the setting is different. So then the vibe and the energy is different. But the yeah, fear is still diff- yeah, there on a different level. But you say that, it doesn't... Because look, I've, I've, I remember a couple of years ago, I think there was a christening in Peckham. And like turn into a madness. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> I think. The but it must be some obstacle or something. Yeah, and yeah. I think the mum ended up getting shot in her head. Serious? Uh, yeah, this was in Peckham a few years. Oh yes, yeah, he bounced off the wall you, in the yeah, Dumbledore Centre. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and you're yeah. just like, yeah. there's uh, this is. I think before there were codes, unspoken mm. rules. Mm. There were all of them things have just gone yeah, out. Family, kids, all of that. Just nah, gone out the window. Involved, You'd yeah. like to think that kind of thing wouldn't go down but mm. you know but I remember I saw this video with Jay-Z a couple years ago and he was talking about when he was growing up in Marcy Projects mm. in, in Greensbridge in New York and he was saying like he bumped into this like he was walking and there was a next brother walking towards him mm. and the brother was looking at him you could say it was screwing him <laughs> and then he goes is he screwing me because it's just came a case of it's an unfamiliar person mm. on the block or is it a case of, is he vexed that I can see his pain, his anger, mm-hmm. and he doesn't want me to see that? Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's how a lot of the kids that's do this thing yeah. like that. That's interesting. It's, it's almost like having that shared experience. Yeah. yeah. But then like we, we're kind of like reflecting that on each other. Really. Yes. <laughs> Lashing out at each other. Because uh, when you're talking about that breakup that you just you you done in um, Oxford Circus. I had a experience similar in um, Barking, Barking Station. Mm-hmm. 
I have had a lot of crazy experiences. Barking Station is just oh, one of those stations. It's one of those stations. And I just come back from a um, anti-violence rally. So I had it. And it was so mad, yeah, because I was, I was even telling uh, my mum and dad at the time, yeah, I was like, I would not go involved, yeah, had I not had the t- another T-shirt, another white T-shirt saying, like, no, but I forgot what he said. He said, no violence, drop the knives and save a life or something. Yeah. So I'm at Barking Station now with this T-shirt on. Clearly, I'm an activist against knife violence. Yeah. And then these two... Big black dudes, big. I'm I'm six on the dot. These guys were big, like bigger yeah. than me, like swinging out and they're running down the stairs and everything else. And one of them grabs a bottle and he smashes the bottle on the side to yeah. turn it into a sharp object, and he starts charging at the other dude now. Now it was on a Sunday. Now I can see a priest, like one like African man, one older mm-hmm. African dude. He was trying to hold the other guy back, and I'm thinking, oh, I have to go and back uncle now, like. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's looking at me because I'm wearing an anti-violence... Do something. I do something. I'm wearing an anti-violence t-shirt and obviously it's bare white people and other stuff on the platform and everything. This black dude is there wearing a t-shirt saying no violence and then these guys are swinging for each other. I'm thinking, oh, now I have to back this thing. Of course. So I run and as he was about to swing the bottle at the guy, I managed to grab him. But I think he sliced the dude or something because it was like blood all oh, over my, my top after. So people thought I'd been stabbed. So I grabbed him and I'm trying to hold him back and calm him down now. And I'm like, brother, please, boom, 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 trying to calm him down because he's agitated. He doesn't know oh, me. Yeah. So any second now, he could swing this thing of from course, my neck. Of course. So then the train come and I, what I've done is I grabbed his shopping and I, I swung both of us into the train. So now we're on the train and everyone just kind of scatters. Of course. Starts staring. I was thinking, oh my gosh, black people stabbing each other. Up like, yeah. And I got blood all over me. So people are like, yo, you're right. And this, this Chinese man come up to me and he was trying to get, and I was like, look, calm down. I'm trying to calm down. He just got into a little thing, whatever, whatever. And like, I, I felt good about the fact that I possibly prevented someone from killing another dude. But, but at the same time, I could have been a victim of that. Yeah, but don't you think it's just so sad? Like how we have to think like that. Mm. Or, we, or that we're governed by stereotypes not based on our own but on mm. other people's like I remember when you did the podcast with um with Craig and mm. you said about you saw her the sirens and you said you knew it was a black guy yeah don't you yeah. think that's so deep it's that you're deep. Pro- we're programmed to think yeah. like that because I'm not gonna lie the other day when we heard about the shooting of the police officer in Croydon in the mm. police station oh, my first, it's so mad that my first mm. thought was Please don't let it be a black man. Please don't let it yeah. be a black man. Yeah, do you know? And that's that's our, that's most of our faults, and that's it's sadly, so, sadly so, enough. Yeah. It's, it's so sad because yeah. I knew the implications of that. Yeah. We know the implications of course. Of, that, so, of yeah. course, of course. Yeah. That, that's a that's an interesting case actually because to me, where, where, whenever something like that happens, yeah, I like to think I like to know what society is thinking because naturally I'm a I'm like a psycho- psychologist by nature, yeah. so I want to know what society thinks. I always go online and I check the comments Mates, first. I'm not and, buying it. it how can a man who's handcuffed and is like twisted that, like that apparently and, bah, bah. and then shot him from the side? Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not trying to discredit no one's death or nothing mm. like that, but I just, yeah, something just doesn't sit yeah. well with yeah. me. And when you hear some of these things that have happened and and the spin on it, it's mm. just like, mm. what's your take on it though? What do you think we're doing? <sighs> I just don't understand how, okay, you've seen him acting suspiciously on the roadside mm. and you've apprehended him, cool, and you've taken him to the custody. I think seat. they said they found bullets on him, but not the firearm at the time. <sighs> then yeah. you're always quick to talk about stop and search. Mm. There was your chance to do stop and search and, mm. you know, God rest his soul, the police officer, but yeah. how has it got to that? protocols were clearly not followed you know you you talk about this stop and search stop and search mm. but look what, what what your lack of stop and search did mm. 
Yeah. On on yeah. on your grounds as well as well. Let's let's because that's an important thing to factor. This was not on the roadside. This was on your grounds, and then the guys managed. Nah, nah, I'm not buying it. Yeah, yeah I'm not buying it. It's it's interesting because so what I always do is I always whenever like something like that happens, I look at both sides of the political spectrum and see what everyone is saying. So like the more right side of it was saying that because of the fear of searching ethnics now mm-hmm. and with the protest that's going on and the discrimination that the police officers didn't follow full protocol. And and then obviously you got the other side of say, no, this is your job. This is yeah. this is what, what you're trained you to, to do. do. Exactly. This is the policy and you you had a right to search him because yeah. you, you found bullets on him. But you also kinda of think as well, when situations like that happen, one of the things that goes through my membrane is what are you trying are you trying to get the public on side or offside? And I think situations like that sometimes are kind of engineered to get the public on side. We know that there's a big mistrust of the Metropolitan Police in this city. We know they're going through a hard time. And I'm not saying that this has been orchestrated, say to speak, Mm. but the way it's been spun, Mm. it kind of feels like they're trying to get us on the side. Yeah. There is is a large um, anti-police sentiment, though, going on at the moment. And... I mean, I'm I'm not anti-police. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't call the police, but that's because I've been programmed in such a way, and it's it's sad to say, but obviously, growing up in the end, you know the relationship that yeah, we have course, with the police, of and, course, of course. and the whole the whole relationship has never really been great because of mm-hmm. things that happened and occurred. And as sad as it is, like I I think at the moment they they have they're having a hard time. Yeah. They're going between a rock and a hard place. Like <laughs> probably right now is probably the worst time to be a police of officer course, simply of because of the anti-police sentiment and. That, that, one of the sad things that came across doing the death of this gentleman, sorry for forgetting his name, was a lot of people online were kind of praising or happy or celebrating the fact nah, that look, man, nah, someone had died. Nah, you know that's I mean? disgusting. Listen, yeah. I, listen, yeah, regardless nah. of how you look at it. Yeah, you know I mean? look, man, look, look, there's a lot of bad people there mm. out in the world, man, but I, we don't wish, I don't wish yeah, death on anybody. Nobody. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. And, and that's something that I'm, I'm constantly pushing. I'm like, look, at the end of the day, yes, there are bad cops. But at the, at most of the time, some, a lot of these cops will also give their life, life for yeah, you. Man. Do you know what I mean? Listen, <laughs> in most said, instances, well, they would. Yeah. There's always going to be good cop, bad cop, man. Yeah. But at the end of the day, that's someone's partner. That's mm. someone's dad or brother mm. that's just been trying to do his job yeah. and has been slain for it. And that's what I'm saying. When things like that happen, they kind of put things in perspective. Mm. And I think, again, going back to our original points, it's, it's reasons like this why I feel like the, the Metropolitan Police police shouldn't be defunded it needs more funding because you kind of feel maybe if there was more funding a situation like that wouldn't happen but another thing i will say particularly in the city you can't have a labor mayor and a tory government (laughs) hand in hand yeah and i think sadiq khan gets a lot of bad press especially Mm. with the whole metropolitan police Mm. but it goes back to what i'm saying the two they don't they don't work hand in hand yeah the ideologies are way different Different, yeah Yeah, that's the thing and people forget that like behind all of these policies behind all of these politics there's ideologies that we all subscribe to everyone has their level of ideology and it's like you're, you're having people run a country on completely different spectrums of their ideology. I, I thought it was shocking that you've got the mayor of one of the most influential cities in this world mm. and he's not at the Cobra meetings. Yeah, he was kind of begging to be at the meeting in the, in the yeah, Good Morning Britain I, interview. Nah, that I saw. Yeah, yeah, no, I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, let me And I'm like, well, the mayor's not going to be at Cobra meeting. Like, yeah, how mm. that shouldn't be happening. Mm. 
And then that's why I feel like, he, you know, he gets unnecessary stick. And mm. when things like that go against him, I'm like, oh, you know, I feel for him. And I feel it's a yeah. tough job. It's yeah. a tough job. It's interesting because the relationship between police and community is something that I've actually discussed with Sage, actually. And um, we were talking about how, because both of us grew up in the ends, it's like we have this, we, we kind of subscribe to this no snitching ideology. And we were talking about it, but then we're like, it's also one of the most dangerous things that we could ever subscribe to yeah. coming from an area where one of your relatives or one of your family members might potentially be involved in, uh, might potentially be a victim of, of course, a particular of course, crime of course. and we're kind of caught we're caught like we're, there, was, there wasn't a clear conclusion to that discussion because it's like we're caught in between a rock and a hard yeah, place course, again course, but because, I'd, I'd, I'd be in the same sort of situation yeah, yeah. you know but it's detrimental when you think about it in terms of like the the, the impact that it's probably had in some Families or communities. Yeah, but you know what as well? Look how many times a lot of people probably called the police mm. thinking for the, for them mm. and then they've been, the police have treated them like they're, like they're, they're the ones in the wrong. Yeah. And we've seen, and this is what I'm saying, I remember we saw the whole incident with Dawn Butler the other day mm. and I remember she talked about the incident where racists were abusing her. She called her brother to intervene and the police ended up arresting her brother. We mm. look at with Stephen Lawrence, mm. you know, when he first was killed, the Metropolitan Police were kind of sort of kind of making out like he was a gangster and like, you know, he was in something that he wasn't involved. And this is what I'm saying. These, these, and it goes back to what I'm saying, the, the, mis the mistrust has not gone. Mm. So I'm not surprised we take, we take that, um, that sort of mindset of, well, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not going to call that. Yeah. Yeah. But how do we bridge that gap though? Because I'm always of the idea that like, I'm trying to be like, Problem solving. I'm, okay. my, my mind is always trying to figure out like how do we solve this issue? Because well, if there, there is an issue, there's a level, there's a high level of distrust due to historics mm. and and due to like misplaced trust in certain leaderships and stuff like that. But how do we now solve it? Because it's so it's so deeply engraved into certain cultures that it's very hard to come out of just willingly. Like no, you can't just go to the go to a particular neighborhood and be like, yo guys, like start calling us now. We're on your side. No, it doesn't work like that. You need to I, earn that trust. I, I think one thing that I've I've picked up with this whole Black Lives Movement thing is that it's made institutions account more they there they need to be more accountability. Mm. But I don't think having more black officers and BAME, I hate that term by the way. Yeah. I don't think having more officers of people of colour is going to make a difference mm. because, as you said, it, the, the racism is so deeply ingrained, they're going to still face problems that me and you might face on a daily basis. Mm. How many times have you heard of all these police officers that, you know, went in there with the whole thing of, you know what, I want to make a change, I want to better, and they've had to face a yeah. barrage and the, of 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 abuse the pressure is real yeah the pressure to conform is very very real you know yeah. from people that we're supposed to call if something goes down mm. yeah that doesn't sit well with me so if, rep if representation isn't the the solution then what is then because representation is it, like everyone's going for equity now equity, equity yeah yeah yeah, equity. yeah 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 but it's like what is equity really and truly so to, i don't know it's funny because whenever i see the equity battle going on online with like people within media within sports to me i just see it as a scramble for resources of let's be honest yes, everyone's scrambling for resources i want resources of course. If, you're, if, if there's but, a loophole for me to get know, resources i'm gonna go for it but if you not to solve a problem what do we i think we one of the have you heard of a guy called claude anderson no. So Claude Anderson is a, a black American um, ex-government official mm. and um, 
he's got a book called Paranomics. Mm. Where he oh, talk, yeah, I heard of the book. Yes, yeah, yes I know you're yeah, about yeah. So he talks about having, we need ownership. Mm. But in order to have ownership, we need to be in powers of, of positions of influence. Mm. And I think, going back to your question, yeah, ultimately, mm. we, we black people or people of color, we need to be more in positions of mm. influence. How many, like, I've seen so many times where, like, there are, I don't know, boards mm. of, for, like, uh, for voluntary boards at different companies, and there's not one black representative, and you kind of feel, has it been promoted to us? And I feel like if you want to see certain changes, we've got to ultimately get into maybe those kind of positions of power to maybe have influence. Yeah. That's that, into that's direct policy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was, I was watching um, Nick Cannon and um, Dr. Umar Johnson, um, I'm I'm kind of halfway fan of him, not really a fan. Well, both of them, or they're both of them together in okay. um, um, Nick Cannon's um, thing, and he was um, he was talking about something that I kind of subscribe to as well is that the idea that no government is here to save you. Of course, like, it's no not. government is. They, everyone's just here to protect their own, yeah. build their own, and just keep it moving. Yeah. So at the end of the day, like if you really want to make change, as you said, you have to be in a position where you can implement change through direct policy, like yeah. proper policy to say, yo, this is not the right way of doing it because look at these results. Like they, they, they tilt too much to this side. Yes. Like how about finding a way of tilting it in a way whereby there's a clear line. There's mm. no, there's no blurry gray areas. And he was also talking about doing for self because at the end of the day, no one's ever going to do for you. So running to go and vote, I think the discussion was about um, the whole, Trump hysteria how everyone hates Trump as the person but yeah. no one really looks into policy no one cares about policy and and sometimes that's how we are with like politics and government we're like oh we just like these people but at the end of the day like the policy to make true change yeah. you have to maybe do for yourself and that comes through economics yeah, and definitely. putting things and structures in place that will benefit you as an individual mm. and, your, and your community so that was that was really an interesting take that he had because I always thought he was of the idea of government and stuff like that and that with the changes, but he just spoke strictly about taking individual responsibility yeah, in charge yeah. of your own policies. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. I feel, and that's what I'm saying. In this country, like the Tories were always for the individual, mm. and then New Labour came in, and then we saw. I think we've just seen this kind of shift to a more leftist, mm. but by having that shift where everyone seems to be more of the leftist spectrum, I just feel like when certain situations are happening, it goes back to what I'm saying. There's a blur. Unfortunately, race issues have become class issues and class issues have become race. And I think until that blur is dealt with, it's just going to have a continual spiral of things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting how much things have been brought to the forefront with the whole... Um, Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, I, I subscribe to the ideology, but not necessarily the the organization. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, still, yeah. I'm still very much distrustful of the organization, simply because I'm a, I'm a guy that I, I follow. I follow the money, and that, that always tells you where people's mindset and hearts are at. Do you know what I mean? And um, the, one of the great things that is done is is, is given the youth a voice and I think the youth starting to trust their own voice now yeah. and they're starting to realise the power in their voice mm. but then I'm also in fear that their voice is going to be misused for those who understand the manipulation of the oh, game of course so of it's course, like oh the course. youth are very passionate about of this course. but let me just plug it in here I instead you know I, I, mean? I think at the end of the day we're just seeing a lot of token gestures yeah yeah, and and I think it's got to be more than token gestures I don't think we should just accept token gestures mm. for what they are and I think we've become accustomed to be like, oh, they've just given us a little edge. Yeah, Let's yeah. get a little piece. Yeah. Nike put up a black sign. Yeah, exactly. Nah, yeah. man, that ain't cutting it. It's yeah. not cutting it at no, all. It's, it's interesting. And it's, and it's also had an impact in Africa. I don't know if you've been following the NSARS 
um, yeah, I was, uh, yeah. What is your take on that? Um, so corruption is corruption and African government go or like this. Uh, yeah, they married. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Everybody knows. I mean, I go going and enough every year, mm-hmm. and like every every minute you're getting stopped. Oh, well, here comes a couple of Europeans, guys. I mean, you want to pass this barrier? Wait, it's a free barrier. I pay for this. I'm allowed to drive through here. We, we're constantly getting extorted. It's it's just a part or parcel of the African movement. I'm not sure how how it is in the in the Caribbean. Um, so with SARS, um, they, they were created to um, stop like armed robbers. They were like this mm-hmm. special unit created by the Nigerian government to stop violent armed robbers and stuff like that. And it was created by uh, it was created with a group of guys who are also extremely violent. So it was like you know what I mean, violence begot violence. Yes. <laughs> so then what what ended up com- what ended up happening with most human beings that we we don't know how to, we don't know how to do with power. It's just a human thing. Majority of humans don't know how to deal with power once it's been granted upon them. So this group just started robbing, beating, and ultimately yeah. killing innocent people. They were just extorting people for fun. They were kidnapping people. They were, and mainly young men. Okay. So if you if you're a young guy, you look like you, you got flashy car, you got dreads. They'll use they'll use like false false acts and be like, oh yeah, you look like a Yahoo boy, with like yeah, a four yeah, and yeah, nine, yeah, 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 a food yeah. star, and then they'll just strip you of everything you've got. And it, and it became quite abusive to the point where a few people have died, got missing, and now they've, or for the back of the whole like um, defund the police and the Black Lives Matter movement, it sparked a movement in Nigeria now to end that whole unit. Uh, so let me ask you something. Who started this movement, just out of curiosity? Um, what's that? The NSARS. Um, who actually started it? I'm not sure. I can't pinpoint who you exactly know. You know, I reason ask that because when I first saw it all come into play, mm. I was just like, "All right, you know, corruption, brutality needs to be dealt with." Mm. But you know what? It reminded me of. Mm. Do you remember the Joseph Coney? Um, f- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that yeah. back in the day? And then all of a sudden, it just kind of disappeared. with the kids, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it just disappeared. Yeah. And I kind of feel like this is what's going to probably happen with SARS. It'll have a momentum. Ghost movement. Yeah, mm. and then, because yeah. my thing was with the whole Joseph Coney thing, I just thought it was just a front to kind of missile people and confuse people. Because mm. really and truly, there's probably stuff in um, Congo or that part where he was dominating. And we know Congo's rich, full of resources, resources. Yeah. and it's just probably. Uh, I thought it was just a play to distract people. Mm. And I wonder. Is I'm not trying to. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say like corruption and brutality doesn't go in Niger because it does it happens all over the world um, but is it a distraction it just feels like another distraction, distraction you know? yeah. I think sorry going back to your point about how it is in Jamaica yeah there is corrupt officials but I think the problem that Jamaica per se is having right now is the the dominance of the Chinese over there that's, that's global yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 no but it's got to the point where <laughs> Um, you know, Jamaicans are fearing for jobs wow. because there's this kind of notion now that you may have to speak Mandarin or Cantonese Seriously? to work for a Chinese company in Jamaica. Yeah. So it's, it, it's, it's kudos to the Chinese, you know, they've seen an opportunity. I think there's something similar in South Africa as well where like Mandarin is becoming one of the key languages. languages. But you see, that's yeah. funny because did you hear about the xenophobia that South Africans had yeah. for other Africans? Yeah, against Nigerians. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I don't... It's, yeah. It's crazy how easily we become we can be twisted into becoming violent towards ourselves. Themselves. Yeah, yeah. and it always, that always happens. You see, and that always happens. Mm. And I kind of feel like it happened with Kony, it's going to happen with SARS. There's always something. Mm. It's always a distraction. Yeah. That's what we say, like, the, the way to find out where a true agenda lies is where the money goes. So right. if, if fundraising starts kicking off, I'm going to start tracing the money. All right. And that's going to give you a clearer picture of okay. where it is. But there, there is a serious, like, issue with corruption and 
police brutality in Africa. And when when we started, when this whole movement started with like police brutality in the UK and America, I was like, yo, Africa is is this is like million. This is nothing. Like the police brutality we see here in the West is that's baby food compared to of course, the of likes course. of like extortion. I mean, your journey from Northwest to here, you would have probably been charged like in 10 different stations <laughs> you know your pockets would have been empty by the time you would have reached yeah. Essex that is how serious it is back home yeah and um with with SARS well in Ghana in particular it's not as violent you'll get you're gonna get extorted you mm. can sometimes talk your way out of it some most of the time you can't but in Nigeria it, with SARS in particular that unit it tends to end in violence because when it first kicked off I called one of my friends one of my really close friends and I was like Yo, tell me about SARS. He goes, oh yeah, you know the other day when I came back from Nigeria, yeah. they nearly killed me, you know? Rawr. And this is like a reliable brother of mine, do you know what I mean? And I was like, wow, is that deep? He goes, yeah, yeah, they, they kidnapped a couple of my boys, they beat up, they stripped a couple of my... And I was like, raw. He was like, yeah, but he's... And I was like, they accepted it, it was normal. But I guess off of the back of everything that's happening globally, they've been giving momentum and mm-hmm. a lot of the celebrities in Nigeria yeah, yeah, are taking it. Yeah, because I saw Burda Boy. Burda no Whiskey. But again, it goes back to what I say to you again and the whole programming, you kind of think, okay, what's in it for them? Yeah. And yeah. it's such a shame that I whip some of us think like that. Mm. But I think history has taught us that nothing don't come for free. There's yeah. always, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Yeah. And you just definitely you yeah. always wonder what are people's intention of these things. Is what's the why is there this distraction? And mm. yeah, that's how I kinda see it with that. Yeah, it's this I mean that's the thing. They, they, there's a word for it that um, what, a, a guy who I listen to always says. He goes, "There's always like, there's always race hustlers. There's always those willing to make a buck out of other people's yeah, of like course. despair." And that's that's the yeah. issue that we have. Instead of like trying to look for like clear solutions and forgetting about us, like the greed within us, we we do things with an other eye open, thinking, "Okay, like if I give him, I'm gonna receive yeah. on this end." You know what I mean? But 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 going forward, what what is what is the solution for like the youth? What, what do you, what, what do you think like, is, is, is the direction we should be looking at taking? Okay, like, I, people like us in yeah, particular yeah. that like are out here. Because my, my thing is like, I don't think I can be everywhere at once, but at the same nah. time, I can share my experiences yeah, with okay. others. I can open up my, um, other people's eyes with my experiences, people that don't look like me, that might not understand things I've gone through, maybe because of the way I talk now, because of the work I do, the yeah. business I'm involved in, they think, oh, he's all right. But at the same time, you've got to understand there's like a level of like trauma and experience that we have based yeah. off of who we are. Because I'm not a big fan of like, oh, screaming racism. I've never been a big nah, fan. Nah, 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 but nah. what I always tell people, what you got to understand is that your race, your gender, your sexuality, everything determines your experience of this world. Yes. And that, 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 that's tied up to historics. Yeah. That's tied up to everything. So yep. you can never escape it. Like, I can't escape the fact that when I step out of this house, I'm a man. I'm a black man. Mm. I'm an African. Mm. I'm an East Londoner. Like, there's so yeah, many different yeah, elements, yeah, do you see what I mean, that yeah. plays a part in, into my experience and how other people will experience me. So, like, changing the narratives and creating a more harmonious system is the way I always try to look at things. And it's difficult, but engaging more conversations is kind of open yeah. eyes. I think, as I said before, I think mental health is on the rise. Mm. And I see it with a lot of these youngsters, man. Like, they are walking around with untreated PTSD. Mm. And I think that we need to get to the root of that because it's not just trauma from the roads, it's trauma from generations that have been passed down, it's trauma from family incidents that have happened that have not been dealt with, therefore building up this hurt, building up this pain, building up this anger, and then therefore it's got to the place where we're seeing, we're just seeing constant explosions of hurt, trauma, people that are dealing with hurt and trauma, especially the younger generation. And I think we need to have 
we need to have more safe places where they can speak freely about how they're feeling, about their emotions, without having to worry that they're moist or they're, yeah. they're simple or they're soft. Yeah. That is something that needs to happen more, and that's why I'm a big advocate for having counsellors and stuff like that. I, I think I'd like to see more street pastors, mm. but... I just feel like Pastor Toby's just shaking. He's just shaking. Drippy, drippy, drippy. He just, yeah, he just, yeah. Do you know the thing is, yeah? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Pastor Toby. I'm not, I'm not. Are you? Yeah, like, obviously not, not the, not the religious side and how he, but I think had he been, had he been more polished in like the 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 faith aspect of things, yeah. he's a great personality oh, of course. to have in terms of bridging the gap. Because I think as a, as a as a entity and as a business and as a structure, they had something great going. They had momentum. There was a point I was like, during the early stages of 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 Spac, I was like, raw, I want to be there. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> Yo, the Mandamore there, everyone's lit. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. The Red energy bottom. was contagious. The, the energy was contagious, contagious before yeah. everything started unraveling. Do you see what I mean? The energy was contagious. It's like they had a structure there. They had people with... They, have, they still have people with all sorts of skill sets doing all sorts of things. But then that's, that's what I'm saying. The thing, issue with power. Like if you don't know how to manage power and if you're not coming from a, a right place... I don't know. Obviously, I'm not here to judge and to say yeah. who's coming from the right place or not. But... If you're not, it's easy to mislead people. Oh, of course, of and course. that's the dangers. But then it mean? goes back to what I was saying about what is Pastor Toby's true intentions, or for what it seems to be. He's Follow the money. But what I tell you, it's the answer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Follow the money. You know where people like, exactly. He's a great orator. He's a great leader of man and men and women and and people. But I don't know. I don't know where he's going. At the same time, he he. He's an opportunity. He's yeah. exploiting resources again. Yeah. Surviving resources. I mean, and he looks like he's living nicely. Yeah. Them Bentleys and oh, yeah. Yeah. So instead of street pastors, what, what would you say we have? Or we still advocate for more street pastors? Yeah, I, I think, think they need like guidance. And... Yeah, definitely. I think we need to definitely have more mentors, especially mm. young black mentors. I'm not gonna lie, I did mentoring, but I don't think. I was in the right frame of mind to do it. Mm. And maybe that's something I need to look back at myself and think, do I want to go back? Because mentoring is hard, as you probably yeah, know. I do, yeah. You know, like, you've got, a, you're dealing with somebody that's got their own mindset of doing things. And I find with the young youth these days, they're quite stubborn and quite set yeah. in their ways. Yeah. You can't tell them nothing. Mm. And also, I noticed with them as well, they're fearless in the sense of they're not scared to take risks. Mm. Okay. Or, okay the lack of calculated risk per se, but they're also not scared to die. Mm. They're not, they don't fear repercussions. And it's very hard to sort of tell someone that's coming of a stance of like, you know what, you need to be mindful of this. You need to be mindful of someone saying, now, nah, I'm doing it this mm. way and this is how I'm going to do it. One mm. you, da 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 So it's, it, it's hard, it's hard, it's mm. hard. I think um, as I'd love to see us go back to a village community, but I just think it's just so fractured. Is, is difficult and, and to fix it on such a large scale simultaneously is the difficult part like how to fix the village and I think obviously early on you mentioned about how parents have had a hard rap but yeah. I think to start fixing the village it, it, everyone needs to start fixing their unit their family their, yeah, their home yeah, do you see what I mean and like and and 
people engaging more with their kids and being around yeah, their kids. Because yeah, I think yeah. with a lot of parents in particular, like obviously growing up and things I've seen in my area stuff, it's like they were out chasing the bag. Like everyone just wanted to, yeah. you know I mean, hustle, work, work, work and leave the kids to be raised by the estate. And when yeah. you leave the kids to be raised by the estate, I mean, you're giving free employment employees to the elders who, who are going to send them out there. And I think that's where maybe... The, the, that's where maybe like sometimes the concentration goes a lot in regards to the family it's not that it's the, it's the family's fault because obviously there's issues if the, if the country or the society is going through economical mm. strife the family needs to put food on the table for yeah, the kids course, to eat course, but then the course. kids also need guidance because up until a certain age there's so many things happening like in terms of the development but then we say this but then what about extended families mm. what about aunties and uncles what mm. about grandmas and granddads or bigger siblings, they all have a part to play in this as well. And I think that's a lot of times is a role that's not subscribed to. I, like, you know, I've got younger siblings and I've always tried to be a, 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 a listening ear to them and try to guide them and stuff like that. And, you know, at the end of the day, I just feel like those kind of roles are diminishing as well. Yeah. And that comes down to responsibility. But again, I think a lot of us are kind of engineered. Me, me, me. Yeah everybody else like I don't care about it. I'm just talking about me and unfortunately that it doesn't that can't prevail in this society yeah can't prevail yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a good point to actually end this on this segment but because um, I, I, I'm definitely a big believer that community is essential and like responsibility and the, forgetting about this single-mindedness because mm. at the end of the day it has a detrimental effect that's going to go full circle again and affect yeah, you course. later on down the line so that kid that you neglect now might be the person who puts you out in in the next couple of years. So it's essential. It's funny because, again, that episode, I think there was talk about, you know, a lot of these kids that are on the roads, Mm. uh, shutters or doing all sorts of stuff, yeah? But there's a lot of them that have got that sort of um, e-commerce mindset. And you only got to... I think as much as we might say, well, no, I don't want my son to be a rapper or da-da-da-da-da-da, but... I think we're very quick to concentrate on the negative things of becoming an MC or a rapper or going down that lane. We don't talk, and that's one thing I'd say, we don't talk, we're very quick as black people, very quick to talk about the negative things about us. Mm. But we're not doing, as they used to say, giving people their flowers. So mm. when I hear that Crepton Cone and have got Crepton Cone's restaurant in Croydon and they've done that through, through their music, yeah. I think that's great. You look at J2K who's got Crepton, um, crept. Okay. Yeah, he's involved in quite a lot. Look, of things, exactly. He, he helped Crept and Conan set up there. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah. You look at Stormzy, who's mm. come through with murky books. I think these are the things that we've got to not only praise, mm. but we've got to encourage those who are already maybe at the starting points of those kind of careers. Like, mm. look at them man there. Look what they're doing. Mm. And I don't think we do that enough because we're kind of, you know, we're kind of much of. We're very quick to diminish what certain pe- what jobs certain people are doing because I don't know we want them to we we always say we want we need more black lawyers and more black doctors and stuff like that but don't get it twisted you see all those people that are lawyers and doctors and surgeons and stuff like that they're struggling as well like yeah. you only have to look at that poor black lawyer that the fee- um, woman that went to court the other day yeah, she, they thought that she was a um, yeah <laughs> she was a defendant so, so. you got to mm. think as well it's like everybody's seen mm. that in the press. And you're gonna be probably gonna see guys that are on the roads or doing their music thinking, well, look what look, why should I have to go through those kind of strifes? Yeah. I'm onto something here. Mm-hmm. Let me, you know, capitalise on that. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's something that I think we sometimes ignore because I think we've always got this ideal of how things should be. But as we both know, my friend, things don't sort of go to plan. Mm. And it's a, and in particular time like this, now is the time to be adaptable. Now is the time to be flexible. Now is the time to be innovative, mm. especially in these times where yeah. we're in a recession right now and jobs are going to be carved of hide. Maybe this is the time where maybe we need to be pushing these youngsters to f find their own lane and capitalise on something that they're good for, good at, like turn that hobby into a passion where the passion makes them, makes them money. Yeah, that, that's, that's amazing. Um, it's, it's actually a conversation I had yesterday um, in regards to like the creative arts and um, the mindset of like the old generation in terms of our parents and mm -hmm. stuff because what they fail to realize is that times have changed. Yeah. Where, where money is being made isn't where money was, where money's being made today isn't where money was being made yeah. ten, five years ago, let alone 10, ten years, years ago. ago. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's people on OnlyFans now making meals in a day. Not that I'm promoting OnlyFans, yeah. I might start putting a foot, foot thing in it. But it's like the dynamics of how money is made and trade is being done is completely changed. So yeah, I, 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 I'm starting to, it, it feels like university degrees are going to become redundant. Yeah, yeah. And Unless we, you're going in there to do something specific. Specific, yeah. Because yeah. mm. I think even now, like, a lot of times, jobs are now asking for masters. Mm. And there's a lot of university graduates that don't have a masters. Mm. So that's even more debt. Whereas there's a lot of people that have dropped out and they're making it big. Yeah. I'm hearing so many people that dropped out of university mm. in their first year, second year, because they just realised, right, it's not for me. Mm. And now they're, they've made something of themselves. And I just, again, it's, it's just going back to what I'm saying. I think we're very quick. I know for me, education has always been key to me and I'll never knock it because it's opened doors for me. Mm. It's allowed me to live abroad. It's allowed me to meet different people, have different conversations, yeah. But I think sometimes we have to realise what is what is for the goose is not necessary for the gander. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're very quick to be like, well, all, sh all solutions fit that problem and it doesn't mm. work like that. Yeah. There is a generational shift though in terms of like parents because obviously you're you're in, you're newly um, yeah. father and your your understanding of that is different. So if your son has a gift in the arts, you're not gonna force him to then go and gather debt to go to university to study something that he's not. Yeah, but use. what I think I would say to my my son is have something to fall back that on. Point, yeah, and I think that's that is the blessing of education. Mm. If you've got certain credentials, certain qualifications, mm. that is your backup there. Because yeah. as I said to you before, sometimes things don't work out their way. So you have to sometimes mm. fall back to what you have got as a backup. And something, something, sometimes something comes out of that backup that mm. brings you back to that thing, to yeah. that point of, um, of A or where you're trying to go yeah. to. As a parent, are you, are you, are you a believer in like, um, sort of like imposing um, like career paths on your kids? So, for instance, like, so I've got friends who are from, like, East Asia and mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. And they, they ended up working, like, really high-end careers in law or whatever. Mm -hmm. But a lot of that was imposed on them because so, so I realised that cultures are very different in how they handle yeah. stuff. And that also determines the outcome of, of their children's future. Okay, I'll give you an example. Yeah. Like, all of my Asian brethren, all my African brethren, mm. there was definitely a pull to education. Mm. I think in some quarters of 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 I've, I think there's always been this kind of negative stereotype that Caribbeans don't push education, mm. and I don't think that's necessarily true. I was very fortunate that my mum is a very studious woman who is 
a woman that's got a degree, got a master's degree. She's now a college lecturer at a college in London. Okay. And my mum pushed education hard into me, hard. Mm. And when I went to university, I met other black people that were Caribbean mm. that were doing their degrees and going down the education route. And, you know, I look back at home in Jamaica, we've got one of the best universities in Jamaica called the University of West Indies, where mm, yeah. we are turning out top of top people that are working in big industries, whether it is aeronautics or engineering or whatever. So I think for my son, he's he's 13 months, he's still young, but you know, I would definitely be, I make it a thing of trying to read to my son every day, mm. you know, cause it's those little things yeah, that add up, you know? Yeah. I think for me, I want my son to be not, not not also just be um, studious, but I want him to be have manners mm. and respect because I think you look out there, you see the mm. the see the lack of manners and respect out yeah. there, and I think it's not it's not just education. I want to concentrate on it's it's things like that. I, I was listening to a podcast. Um, it's um, with um, what's the guy called Jake Humphreys from BT Sport, oh, yeah. and he's got one. He's doing a podcast with this psychologist, and it's, they talk about high excellence, mm. and they had Frank Lampard on there. And Lampard was talking about his his little um, incident with Jurgen Klopp on the touchline, oh, yeah. and he was swearing. And you know, one of his mates sent him the video of him swearing. And the first thing he was thinking was, "My two girls are gonna see this. Mm. How am I gonna tell them about manners?" But I'm there effing and blinding yeah. in a in yeah. a public forum, and it's that that kind of parenting that I want to implement. I've got to set the levels set the example, yeah. along with his mother. I've got to do those sort of things, mm. even if I don't want to do it or if I'm having a bad day. There's somebody looking at me, watching mm. my movements. Mm. So I think it not. So what I'm trying to say is. I've got to be accountable in that sense of that I that my son t follows fashion and follows the right way to do things because yeah. I think what we're seeing as well there's a lot of people that are lacking integrity you know and, and as you know integrity is something that's hard to come by these days most definitely hard most definitely and, that, and that's something that you're taught it's not something that's innate like because um, I've been um, with, with a lot of like reading I'm doing about psychology and evolution and how we behave and stuff I realised that like I, I used to think, for instance, that humans were innately just good and like the world pumped evil into us. Not evil, but the world pumped like aggression and violence into mm -hmm. us. But then I realised, wait, it's actually the other way around. We're actually born like this yeah. this mad creature that yeah. then needs to be like nurtured, nurtured yeah. and, and polished and everything else. And that's 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 where like parenting is such a key element, as you mm. said, like the, he's watching you. So you might be like, Oh, don't don't go effing and blinding, but then you're like, da, 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 yeah, effing yeah. and blinding. He's like, wait, he, he you just, like, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and then I later, think, what do you say to that kid when he said, I saw you do it? And, <laughs> and that's the thing, and it touches upon the point you were saying about parenting. A lot of people don't know how to parent because mm. they might not have necessarily been taught things from when they were a kid, you know? Like, I was, again, I'm very fortunate. I had my mum, I had my dad, but mm. I also had my aunties mm. and my uncles, but my aunties as well to support me and learn from my little village. Mm. And that's what I'm saying, like that break, that, that breakdown is, is so sad to see that it's not there. But mm. I think also as well, it comes back to what we're saying about government authority and powers. Mm. You can't lick, you can't discipline your kids, baby, how our parents. All of our parents be locked up. Right? All right. <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a catch 22 yeah. at the end of the day. But no, like I think for him, for my son, he's definitely gonna have the, the fundamentals of 
to read on because I do find it mad that when I hear someone can't read or write, it that's mm. scary. Yeah. Because yeah. it makes me think, okay, how, how you do navigate you yeah. in this world, yeah. And then also it makes me think that means there must be a shitload of people that are exploiting you and taking advantage. Yeah. Because you weren't have it, you weren't given the basic tools to do that, do you yeah. know. You I can mean? see that even in music and contracts. Like when artists oh, are forever okay. like moaning about like the type of contracts Track that they've been yeah. And they're like, I, I didn't read that. I didn't understand what that meant. I just took some money. I think of Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, you got all this money, but... Yeah, you can't even read, yeah. Yeah. Well, supposedly, no, no. <laughs> no, you saw the video. Yeah, <laughs> 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 no, so... Yeah. You know, I just... Like, I just think there's a lot of people that are for their own at the end of the day, and, yeah. you know, and um, happy to get gains morally and... Mm. And at the putting somebody at risk, you know, and, yeah. and it's not nice. And you know, we try to do things with good intentions, but as you know, sometimes it doesn't it mm. doesn't work like that. Yeah. You know, I'm very much a person for sort of energies and auras, and I think right now we're in a transitional period. I definitely feel there's been some sort of a spiritual awakening. Yeah. I, I de- and yeah. I'm seeing yeah, everything that that's going on. on. Yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. I think people have had to look within themselves as well. But I think what also COVID has showed me as well, a lot of people are suffering because their crutches have been taken away. Mm. So they're now having to deal with that trauma, face up to certain things that they might have parked. Yeah. So it's interesting times. It is really interesting, man. And I mean, I think the, the second phase in terms of like how we how we see the world after this is going to be interesting of course well, one thing that i'm scared of the most that i realized that as you, you if, when you when you read history you realize that we're, we're creatures of amnesia like you know you know in hundred years time if everything goes back to normal everyone start acting the same again yeah, yeah. Everyone, we kind of forget and like i hope that this is the catalyst for like yeah humans we do evolve we do change but i don't want it to be like this time has passed and gone especially for like us as as, as a black people i want us to take something from it and like really really propel yeah, to the yeah, next yeah. stage because as i said that experience of being black is real like yeah, you can course, never deny course. it do you know what i mean you there's there's arguments there's holes here and there but you can never ever deny yeah, that course, experience of course, of and course. i really hope that we can take that to the next level and not be exploited because I see a lot of exploitation happening with everything that's going on and that yeah, is my fear that we don't definitely. allow that to happen and we stand but strong you know within what? I think, I think, I think the Black Lives Movement has galvanised black people whether they want to accept it or not. Mm. And I think I look upon it with this whole thing with COVID mm. where, you know, they were talking about vaccines and wanted to test it on black and Yeah. Yeah, that, that mm. vexed me that mm. you want to test that in Kenya mm. but the, the levels in Africa and the Caribbean are low, but you want to, that vex me. Then you're talking about bringing the vaccine to this country and then mm. the first people should be people of Bain. But yet there's a report that, a, 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 a big health report that you did mm. and it's censored when it comes to black and, eth- and ethnic minorities, but you want us on side. No, 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 no. As big nasty say, black man can't fool again. <laughs> For real. Yeah. For real. Yeah, there's a lot of work to be done and I'm, 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 
I'm hopefully excited to be a part of it to an extent in terms of like my, my own like education and knowledge share with others and and people like yourself now now that we've connected we definitely like continue doing yeah, this and course. sharing our parts and engaging people in it because Ulti- that's essential yeah, ultimately we are agents of change yeah. and you know somebody could listen to this or watch this and think right them men have like planted the seed or sparks out yeah. in my mind and yeah. and i hope that i know this will come out of this yeah so definitely. you know i think one thing that's definitely and we were speaking of this off camera like the creativity in black people, not necessarily even black people arts, but create black creativity in a whole. Mm. Now is the time. People have Definitely. latched onto something and mm. we're seeing it. We are we're doing it right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think one thing that's very clear now is that like we do own popular culture. Like yeah. we well we own not the mechanisms of it as mm, such, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> as as you can attest to, but <laughs> let's not cover I've covered that. That's another story. But um in terms of like setting pace and, and setting um, the, the, the movement for like what's popular culture and music and the arts mm. and everything else, there's so much wealth of talent, there's so much wealth of skill and it should never be downplayed, you no, know what course, I mean? Like whenever I speak to young people, I'm like, look, you, you lot on the next planet, like yeah. you lot are creating madness, you lot are dead, you know, TikTok into 100,000 followers, yeah. people watching you dance. And that's, and and that's one thing I read about these lot, fair enough, they might have not got it in the ways how we got it, mm. But I'll give it to them, man. They're mm. making things happen just like that. Bam, Quickly. bam, 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 bam. And I'm yeah. like, wow. Yeah. Could we be able to turn around things how they've turned around? No. Mm. So there's definitely a learning. There's something to be learned there from them, definitely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Kira, man, I appreciate you for coming nah, on today. Nah, bro, it's been a pleasure. This was big, man. Definitely. I mean, we're, we're definitely going to continue doing more of this, man. Yeah. I'd definitely like to have you around and, and discuss more things and delve into your books a bit more yeah, as well. I'm going to read both of them. You, you still got copies of both? Yeah. I'm going to order both of them. And obviously, I also urge everyone else that listens to this to order. I'm going to keep the links for all the books in, in the bio. I'm definitely going to check those out and then we're going to catch up again and, and chop up. And, yeah, and man. Awesome. I've changed, I've changed.